um, in the mid '90s, I actually got into a company called Icon, and uh, it was a copier company. You know, they were in the growth mode, buying all the smaller companies, trying to become a major corporation. And uh, they had a good six-week sales training that we went through, so it was a pretty intense uh, sales training. And you know, you learned a lot. I learned a lot, and then I did that career for 18 years uh, before starting our, you know, our own businesses through Stratmark Group. You know, we have teams of guys. That that's what we do. Make sure security is there on the digital world. You know, that's everything you touch anymore has to be secure. Outside of your gun experience, which some people may find controversial. Um, there's another topic these days that's very hard is the actual police officer uniform. You know, with everything that's going on since the 90s, I'm guessing a lot of things have changed. Um, sometimes in law enforcement, you see the worst of the worst all the time, and police officers tend to get a little jaded. You know, they, you know, one of the psychologists told us, they said, if I go to a city, I'm not going to ask a police officer where to eat, where to live, where to vacation, because you could tell me what? All the bad stuff, not all the good stuff. But for police officers doing their job, we know it's dangerous. We train for those reasons. We train to be safe. And bad things happen to good people, and good things happen to bad people, you know? So it's just every now and then, something makes the news, and it's popular, 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 and it just seems like it's getting worse. It's getting worse. Well, that's just the narrative somebody wants you to believe at the time. All right, everyone, welcome back to Sales Biz. I appreciate you all as well taking the time. Before we kick it off, folks, once again, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. If you're not subscribed to this channel, drop some comments down below. We have a very exciting episode today. And uh, go ahead and like this if you find any value out of this specific episode. Today, my guest comes from a very wide variety of backgrounds, and I'm super excited to have him. He uh, started off his background in sales, does a little bit of private security work, private investigative work, also dabbles in tech, all, over, all around a great gentleman. I'm super excited to get to know him and get his insight, Mr. James Cooper. James, welcome, sir. Thanks, Mike. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Appreciate you taking the time. Um, you're actually out in the field right now. Mm -hmm policing communities right <laughs> got the that's lights correct. in the that's background uh, really excited to get into this but before we kick it off to your current experience james let's take it a step back uh you're a long native texan uh started your career off in the tech account executive space let's talk a little bit about that because that's where my background the majority of my background <laughs> is um well actually a little a backup a little further than that i've actually been in law enforcement for 27 years right and in that law enforcement also did account executive sales for 18 years. So in Texas, after you're full time for a while, you can go down to what they call reserve status where basically you work for free, yeah. you know, but you keep your commission. You do the training you're required to do all the 40 hours every two years and things like that. And all your firearms qualifications and, you know, keep up with the laws. So um, sales and law enforcement, you know, kind of the same uh, always made the joke that, you know, in sales, customers always right. You know, you always want to see you again. In law enforcement, they're usually always wrong. You don't want to see them again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew it was kind of in between. I really wanted to talk about your uh, police experience uh, a little <laughs> later, but you know, let's dive into it. I'm super excited about it because you know, you, what you do uh, clearly speaks to me in a whole different level. I uh, have a lot of police uh, officer friends here in uh, California. And, um, you know, I, I respect the brothers and sisters in blue. So first off, thank you for your service, James, uh, before we thank go you, any deeper than that. But sales and keeping the community secure, those are two very different 
gamuts to work with there. I guess from a sales standpoint, let's talk a little bit about how you managed to do a sales career and at the same time police communities. Yeah. So, you know, in law enforcement, it's not a high paying job and they tell you do the job because you love it. And that's true. I mean, sir. You, you have to be there. It has to be in your blood. That has to be something that you really want to do. Um, and you got to be kind of cut for it too. You know, I like to say I was a really good police officer. Um, I tried to be concerned about the citizen. I tried to be concerned about everyone's safety, you know, and everybody goes home good at night, right? You can really get into um, the deep, deep part of police work when it's really just about people. You know, you got to help people on a daily basis, right? Um, sometimes in law enforcement, you see the worst of the worst all the time and police officers tend to get a little jaded. You know, they, you know, one of the psychologists told us, they said, if I go to a city, I'm not going to ask a police officer where to eat, where to live, where to vacation. Cause you could tell me what all the bad stuff, not all the good stuff. Right. So with that career, um, I made a change into sales. Uh, it was kind of hard. Some of my sales training was like, look, we're not interrogating the customer. We just need to ask questions, right? We need to get the information from them, <laughs> not beat it out of them, right? So it was, um, it made me really learn how to talk to people and how to address people. Um, you know, in uh, law enforcement, we tend to have a type A personality where, you know, you have to dig in, you have to find out things. And that kind of goes in good with sales too. You know, you got to find out more about the person need to be a better listener in sales, not just, you know, telling them a story, right? Yeah. Um, stories sell, but you still got to hear their story too. So you know what to sell. It. <laughs> yeah. I tell a lot of my colleagues, specifically younger than me, usually starting out in sales, it's you have to kind of be like an investigator, ask a lot of questions, be the problem solver. Always see from both sides of the perspective, try to remove bias from it. So in a way, sales and uh, in my opinion, law enforcement tend to have their own similarities one obviously a lot less dangerous than the other uh <laughs> but it's still you know that level of co communication and personability i couldn't agree with you there more is there a specific training that you went through obviously you went through the training on the law enforcement side i'd imagine you went through an academy what about sales side james anything on that front so you know on the sales side um in the mid 90s i actually got into a company called icon and uh, it was a copier company. You know, they were in the growth mode, buying all the smaller companies, trying to become a major corporation. And uh, they had a good six-week sales training that we went through. So it was a pretty intense uh, sales training. And, you know, you learned a lot. I learned a lot. And then I did that career for 18 years uh, before starting, our, you know, our own businesses. Right. And why specifically that industry? Did you have some prior experience to that or? I did not. Um, when I was in college, I was a manager for Domino's Pizza. And so, you know, I had that manager experience. And then I was in the cell. I was in the, the police force full time and I was about to go into the detective office. And my mom actually worked for that company selling telephones. She goes, you should come here. And I said, what do y'all do? I'm a cop. I don't want to sell office equipment, you know. And I was like, they make how much? Let me come down and talk to them people. <laughs> yeah. So. As it, much as it, you know, the, the management helped me get into the sales job. And then once I got into the sales job in sales, you really can write your own ticket on how much you make. Yes, sir. But you, you had that level of passion to do police work clearly. So you wanted to double dip both jobs. It seems like one was paying the bills while the other one was putting on smiles. Is, was there some sort of career in the law enforcement space, uh, space that 
would allow you to have that type of money or is it just completely a dead end at that point? No, I think that, you know, I mean, you can nowadays get into law enforcement. I mean, you're talking 25 years ago, law enforcement in Texas, small agencies, um, they just didn't pay a lot. You know, if you could make it to a large agency, a civil service job, but most of those required, you know, uh, military background to get into a civil service career job. So that was a little bit harder step, you know, like, some of the big jobs in California are probably civil service requirements, some of the big PDs. Um, you know, in Texas, the big police forces in the big cities, they have a lot of civil service requirements and things to get those jobs. So if you can get to those levels, you know, they're a decent career. People make good money in law enforcement, have a good career. You know, um, I just wanted more, had more things I wanted to do in life. I got a lot of hobbies. I'm a pilot, you know, just a private pilot. I like to scuba dive, you know, a lot of fun things, you know, and that, all this stuff costs money, you know. Yes, sir. An outdoorsy guy. Uh, I was just talking to my wife that my uh, plan for my 40s, not to offend anyone, but in a couple <laughs> of years, I plan on going for my pilot's license. It's expensive, man. I'm sure you know that. It's, it is. It's expensive. Price it's pilot expensive. Is, yeah, that license alone could run you like 10 to 15K, and that's not including the, the rentals and all that stuff. Yeah, then yeah. once you get the license, you're like, okay, how do I keep flying? So, you know, <laughs> I almost bought a couple planes, and I'm like, man, that's so expensive, you know, and you got kids by then. You're like, oh, my God. So I keep, uh, uh, I keep eye, uh, eyeing that Icon A5. I don't know if you've seen those. A little yeah, oh, yeah. That's plane. a great little machine. That's a great machine. I yeah, like there's a lot of affordable machines out there. But yeah. that was like water. You can land on water. Land. Land in, uh, I mean, I hope you don't, but land like a golf fairway. You could pretty much land that thing anywhere. <laughs> put, it, put it on a trailer. Take it with you when you go uh, to the house. Yeah, it's very easy. I'm pretty. So much, that, I'm telling my friends, it's kind of like the first flying car in a way. It is. It is kind of close. So. There's a lot more abilities now. And then I always flew uh, model airplanes, model helicopters, you know, gas-powered versions. Now the electric versions of all those things are great. And, of course, drones. I'm a commercial drone pilot as well. And, you know, we use that as we build websites through our company, through Stratmont Group. Um, you take video of somebody's ranch or whatever and you make money from that. You could have a commercial license. So I have my commercial drone pilot's license. And um, that's a pretty neat tool, too, because drones are so easy. Anybody can fly them. <clears throat> absolutely so outside of those hobbies though your current career right now uh you also did a little you do a little firearms instruction right now um, yeah we do we do license carry in texas which you know that's under some debate where they're trying to get open carry for any citizen that's legal you know to carry a firearm that's a new legislation on the books they did say it's not going to repeal the the texas ltc law that's in place now and i'm sure they're going to want some type of firearm training you know they just don't want everybody carrying guns in public without some type of firearm training you know right yeah absolutely i mean Which, i'd imagine that you know given that level but how is uh, everything that's been going on with gun control right now and all that impacting your business or if anything is it making it <clears throat> a little bit more organized a little bit better uh given all the um, requirements the, the hard to go through yeah, the hardest thing to do is actually to get ammo, you know, for the class. You know, when people want to buy ammo and come to your class, they can't get ammo, they can't find ammo. It's just, you know, everybody's kind of uh, like during a pandemic, they just buy up everything they see if they don't have guns, you know, things would be worth money or something. But, um, you know, oh, thing. <laughs> so I think the biggest thing that we see now is um, people that want to carry, carry guns do in their cars. Um, the LTC in Texas license to carry, uh, you have to have that class in order to carry it on your person. Right. And then 
a few years ago, they passed open carry, which simply meant you could carry it where people could see it. And in my classes, I encourage people to carry it concealed. You, you don't want to make yourself a target um, unless you're really good. You know, it's not like the Wild West. It's just more of I've seen a video where some gentleman was carrying his gun openly and somebody snuck up behind him and stole his gun right right off his purse. Now, luckily, they used it on him. They just ran away with it. But, you know, it, it's very important to understand that if you do carry a gun openly, you're a target in a lot of different ways. You know, <clears throat> people expect you to maybe do something when you really are not required to do anything at all. In Texas, the first rule we tell people, if you get your license to carry, your first job is to do nothing. You know, it's your last option is to use your firearm. It's a self-defense tool to protect you and your family. Amen to that. But I'd imagine you're getting some uh, some pushback given everything that you're in your current environment. I'm from California, James, just an FYI. Talk about gun restrictions. I mean, it take you have to jump through so many hoops to even own a gun, and then maintaining that the bullets forget <laughs> they don't even exist yeah. around here. You have to right, right. drive miles and miles away. But there's still a lot of pushback happening with guns and all that in general. I'm, I'd imagine, if anything, that does better for your business because people realize how dangerous it is out there now, and people will need to learn how to defend themselves. Am I right in that regard, or has business slowed Absolutely. down? Absolutely. You know, it 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 gives a different sense of urgency for people. They, in Texas, they mainly think, oh, I want to get this license before they stop allowing us to get the license, you know? Um, and then people want to know how to use guns. that have never used guns before. You know, part of the LTC class is a firearm course that teaches to some degree that they know how to shoot. It doesn't really teach them how to shoot, but it just, you know, we give them pointers and teach them safety rules and things like right. that. So they kind of understand more what they need to do. But again, it's not a gun training class. It's just a licensing portion that you have to qualify that you can use the firearm. But it's almost a little too easy because a person that's never shot a pistol in their life, I've had three different people take the course and pass it with no problem, you know, because it's not really hard. But it does make people think and make people uh, learn the rules and the laws in the state and understand liability. And um, a lot of people, I've had people take the class and say, you know what, I'm not going to get my license. I mean, you know, they still pay for the class and things like that. They decided not to go through the state um, to get their license. And that's perfectly okay, you know. Yeah. What about from a business ownership standpoint? Did you, do you have to jump through additional hoops now to, for you personally to be certified to do what you do? Or is that kind of stayed static? Uh, that's, pretty, that's pretty static, you know. Um, you still have training every two years that you have to complete. You have to update your license. You know, you have to stay current. So the state's pretty good about keeping license instructors current in their education and the laws. Right. Absolutely. So, no, I appreciate it, James. And um, outside of your gun experience, which some people may find controversial, um, there's another topic these days that's very hard is the actual police officer uniform. You know, with everything that's going on since the 90s, I'm guessing a lot of things have changed. How has that impacted your career and everything going on with uh, the media and uh, all the body cam footages and stuff? How has your job been impacted by this? Well, I have to say, honestly, that the law enforcement officers on the street, the law enforcement community, you know, I'm actually a sheriff deputy, you know, reserve deputy. So, um I would say that our job as we go approach it every day hasn't really changed. The community awareness about what we face on a daily basis has changed because everybody has a video camera. I don't think crime rates are any higher. 
I don't think crime is any worse than it's ever been. I don't think more officers are getting attacked today than they ever have before. It's just in everybody's faces it does occur. If you hear about crimes in any community in this country, you're probably only hearing about 5 or 10% of the actual crimes that occur. You know, the real, real big crimes, all the real true crimes, plus it's a popular murder or a big, big case that got on the news, you don't hear most crimes that occur. You know, we worked in a smaller city uh, east side of Waco, and um, for years we would arrest hundreds of people a month per capita, and that city is still rated as the most dangerous city to live in in the state of Texas. You know, and there's only 15,000 people that live there. But anybody that lives in that area wouldn't even understand that it's dangerous. You know, they just aren't in the face of crime enough to understand it. And I think that's where the controversy comes in. People that want guns understand what the need for them are. People that don't want guns have never needed a gun and never knew anybody that had a gun. So there's, a, there's an equal argument on both sides, I believe, in that retrospect. But for police officers doing their job, we know it's dangerous. We train for those reasons. We train to be safe. And bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people, you know. So it's just every now and then something makes the news and it's popular, popular, popular. And it just seems like it's getting worse. It's getting worse. Well, it's just the narrative somebody wants you to believe at the time. You know, Sorry. it's dangerous. If you put on a badge and a gun, you're facing danger every day, you know, and you got to be prepared. Absolutely. And, you know, as much as I hate to say it, um, people should really take into consideration that if you don't like the way certain things happen in this world, you know, maybe you should try that career yourself and see how you could improve it. I always tell everyone because I always have uh, law enforcement, you know, once again, it, it takes a special person to be out there and police and protect. So I always say if, if you don't like the way things are happening, you should probably join and see if you could improve some things in the in the future. <laughs> if you have that. Yeah. If you there's have great people. Yeah. Yeah. There's great people in careers. There's bad people in careers There's mediocre people in careers. Absolutely. You know, not everybody ends at the top of the class, you know, <laughs> always Absolutely. made the joke of. Not every doctor graduated with straight A's, right? <laughs> but you know what? The, the guys that graduated with C's are still called doctor, okay? <laughs> you know, unfortunately, you know, in law enforcement community, you are in the fishbowl. If you make a mistake, people can lose their life, right? And it does occur. You know, we've seen it on the news. People have made mistakes. And Absolutely. those things will be justified. They will be self-corrected. Those people that make those type of mistakes and they know they hurt someone or injured someone, they'll be out of the career, whether they want to be or whether they don't want to be, but mentally they will be out of the career anyway, because they know they screwed up. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and split second decisions that end up in people's lives getting lost. That's bad. You know, it, it can occur. You can train and train and train, but you're still going to make mistakes or you don't make the right choice and you lose your life yourself. You know, that's part of the job. And people understand that when they put that badge on, right. Yeah. So, but you're absolutely correct. And I think as a community, we have to understand we got to come together. We have to be supportive of one another. You know, it doesn't matter what race you are, what creed you are, where you come from or what country you come from. We're all people and we all have to figure out how to get along. And that's sometimes yeah. difficult, especially if the narrative is like, oh, we got to hate everybody. It's the only way it's going to work. And that's not right. You know, you got to love everybody and try to figure out how to get along, you know, the best you can. Couldn't have said it better myself, James. Absolutely. And once again, <clears throat> Uh, your service is much appreciated and uh, to your brothers and sisters out there. Stay safe. You know, it's the most important thing for you and your families. Uh, so with respect to business ownership now, you're also doing private investigative stuff on top of other things. Like, 
I guess my first question around this is how do you have all the time for this? You clearly you don't sleep much. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're in the background yeah. policing stuff in the daytime, you're doing other things. So how do you have time for all of this? Well, time management is not my strong suit. Luckily I have a wonderful woman that helps try to manage me as best she can. Right. And I got friends and business colleagues that help manage my time as best they can. But yes, a lot of times I'll end up working, you know, 20 hour days. Right. Um, you know, we have a business, we have a couple of businesses that we've started in the past five years, uh, you know, Stratmont group <laughs> where we are an IT managed services company. We build websites for people. Um, last year, uh, we really ramped up our security piece with, you know, private investigation, digital forensics, um, you know, through laptops and phones, you know, we can search those devices for, for critical data. Um, we also uh, have video surveillance cameras uh, and digital uh, locks, right? <clears throat> so that's a big part of our business now. And I thought, well, you know, I've been in, in law enforcement for years and I understand that piece of it and helping people stay safe. You know, there's a lot of proactive measures you can take before guns. You know, I, I've trained a lot of people that, you know, guns should be your last measure of safety. You know, there's locks, there's video, there's, there's a lot of other non less lethal devices that you could utilize prior to using a firearm. You know, you can't come back from that one. Once you use that one, there's pretty not anything else, you know, that's going to result in good. <laughs> so we try to teach businesses and homeowners how to be safe. More of the outside sales reps now are working from home. So let's make sure that your network at the house is secure. Make sure it's safe. Make sure your critical data that the companies entrust you now. Big Fortune 500 companies usually have an infrastructure that that data is pretty safe, right? But if your home Wi-Fi or network is not secure, it can still be be uh, discovered, okay? So that's another piece of the pie that has to be addressed. So through Stratmark Group, you know, we have teams of guys that that's what we do. Make sure security is there on the digital world. You know, that's everything you touch anymore has to be secure. Um and for your business, you know, all those, those things that occur today, civil unrest, whatever, you can capture as much of that as you can on video. Do it from a distance, you know, report that to the police, let them do their job. Say, here's the bad guy. Make sure it's quality video so they can see who it is and they can address that as it needs, you know, down the road. This is why I wanted to reach out to you, man. Uh, you cover cybersecurity, surveillance, and physical security all in one, <laughs> all in one gamut. So uh, you're rare to find. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's a strange world out there for sure. Sir, that it is, and more. Uh, so, where do you want to take this business, James? Uh, which one are you liking more? I guess uh, you know, if money was not an object, <laughs> would you be out in the streets, or would you be behind, be in that database center or strategizing? Well, I look, What's you know. I'm in my fifties now. So being on the street is not my prime goal. I love being law enforcement. It's a, it's a great time to be out and being with the community, but at some point, you know, you, you gotta be tough, you know, you, you, bad things do occur. So, uh, Stratmont is our main focus these days. Uh, we want to grow that business so that it, it's self-sustaining. It's doing pretty well. Um, we didn't suffer a lot through the pandemic. You know, we were pretty, you know, it was still there, still a need. So um, websites are growing, you know, more people want websites built, you know, to help their home based business now, whatever they might be into. I think, unfortunately, we probably haven't seen the, the results of this pandemic yet. <clears throat> you know, I think there's gonna be a lot of people that are going to be suffering over the next 18 months that are out of those jobs that aren't used to making the money that's gone through their savings. Now, you know, things are going to get worse before they get better. I think everybody's still resilient. And I think everybody's, you know, maintaining, but it's going to be a lot of people out of work, you know, that, that don't need to be. 
do you see that uh, a lot of other uh, professionals that have done maybe best jobs are going into law enforcement now? No, not really. I mean, um, you know, there's a certain age limit to getting into law enforcement because, you know, it is a physical job, you know, and if it's not something that you really chose to do as a young person, it's hard to do as an older person. You know, now <laughs> there are a lot of security officers out there that I see coming into the business. Um, you know, they want to get into some type of securing the, the, the public. And so security companies are on the growth. You know, there's more people getting into security and, and uh, into that end of it. But law enforcement, you know, numbers are down. I mean, let's just call it what it is. There's less people today coming out wanting to be police officers. There's less people coming out of college that want to be plumbers and electricians and jobs that work with their hands. So we need more people that want to do physical labor. Um, not everybody can sit behind a desk. You know, everybody under the age of 25 has been the IT director of their house their whole entire life. But in the real world, we got IT directors. So we need some other jobs filled. <laughs> I'm one of those guys, I have to say. Yeah, I know. Fix the I internet, reboot the computer. I get it. But <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it gets daunting as well. I uh, appreciate it, James. And last question for you. You know, clearly you've had a successful career on uh, numerous spectrums, but if you were to go back and ask younger James Cooper or tell younger James Cooper one thing uh, about life and give him some advice, what would that be? Uh, invest in crypto sooner. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Dogecoin. <laughs> That's right. You know, and then maybe invest in some of these other major companies sooner as well, you know, and then, um, try to recreate yourself at a, at an earlier age, you know, diversify your training and your skills as early as you can. You know, you always can't do a physical job. You can't always work behind a desk, you know, so different things are going to come along in life and you're going to have to, to be deeper and wider in every field that you're in. Amazing advice. Well, James, it's been a pleasure. Once again, thank you for your service. Thank you for your time. It's been great meeting you and please stay safe out there first off, but, but don't forget to stay in touch. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. I appreciate you. Thank you, sir. Thank you.